I'd like to dedicate this episode to John Denver, who sings my favorite song about West Virginia and, by proxy, the Mothman. And I'd like to dedicate this episode to Creature Feature, who sings my favorite creepy song, Aim for the Head. Can you hear that, Rebecca? I think it's something spooky on the horizon. Yeah, what is that? What is that I see stalking through the bushes? I'm Sydney. I'm Rebecca. Welcome Welcome to to the Something Something or Other Other podcast. Podcast. Hello, good people. How are you? I hope you're doing well. Things continue to melt down in our world, but that's okay. Sydney, how are you? I am well, Rebecca. Things are melting down, but we're making it. We are staying strong. We are communicating well. We are being sufficiently creeped out by things like large moths, question mark? Or strange cats? Question mark? Man, Rebecca, creepy stuff abounds today. It does. I mean, listen, people. We've all seen something creepy in our neighborhood. And I'm not talking about the guy that lives in that questionable house in your neighborhood because we all have one of those guys. Sydney and I are taking a complete 180. And talking about creepy things in our world, I think we mainly stay in the United States, but in the world in general, that may or may not exist, but have definitely been seen. Yes, and we need to define the word cryptid before we move forward into our hometown cryptids and ghost stories episode. Ooh, Ooh, what was that? Was that a mop? According to Gizmodo UK, the term cryptid can be applied to any of the following categories of unknown beasts. Creatures from myth and legend, supposedly supernatural or paranormal entities, extinct creatures said to still inhabit specific areas, cough, messy, cough, known animals in areas they are not known to inhabit, Cough, gorillas in Texas, cough, known animals of unusual size or appearance, animals that don't resemble any known species, known hoaxes, whether taxidermy, photoshop, false accounts, or otherwise, and we should note that viewer discretion is typically advised on televised programs, but if you're easily creeped out, listener discretion is advised on this podcast. Absolutely, because I know right off the bat, I have animals in areas they're not known to inhabit, extinct creatures, creatures from myth and legend, like we're going to slam it all down. We don't have a whole lot of our personal accounts, I don't think. I think we have a couple. Sydney and I have had the privilege slash disaster catastrophe of moving around a lot in our lives. And so we've been to a lot of places that when we were doing this research, we discovered were absolutely creepy. And we just wanted to share them with you guys and inspire you to look into the creepy things in your geographical area. Some of the sources for today's podcast include Gizmodo UK, AllThat'sInteresting.com, Excyclopedia Britannica, Texas Hill Country, AstonishingLegends.com, National Geographic, National Cryptid Society, and Kelly from Honey Grove. (laughs) Kelly! (laughs) Kelly, represent! (laughs) Represent, Kelly. Um, So yeah, so Sydney and I have hometown cryptids slash ghost stories. Uh, And also, my family is very hippie and very witchy, and I just wanted to share with you some weird things that we believe and possibly where it came from. Um, So yeah, we're going to go back and forth. Talking about who we got, what we got. You've definitely heard of some of these people. Was that a moth I heard? Was that the fluttering of soft, giant wings? (laughs) What? Soft, giant wings, you say? Shall I? Turn on your lamps, folks, and get ready. Rebecca, I, I do think we hear a fluttering of some large wings in the distance, particularly in 1966, Clinton in West Virginia. As somebody who lived somewhere in West Virginia at some point in my life, I have heard of the Mothman. Perhaps you too have heard of the Mothman. This is his story. 1966, middle of the night, the gravedigger reportedly spots a large figure that appears to be a large human figure with giant wings and big red eyes. It's about seven feet tall and very quick. He runs away, of course, because that's not the kind of thing where you go, let me get a closer look at that. He said, no, thank you. (laughs) He speedy quick gets out of there. After he tells some people that he's seen it, Reports skyrocket. People start to say they've seen the same thing. Multiple sightings in different places around the city and nearby areas, even all the way out to the outskirts of the city. They all say he's flying really quickly, that he's chasing people out of town, and that he's very menacing. 
Thus, the legend of Mothman is born. There's actually a really big statue dedicated to Mothman. There's a Mothman museum. We will post the picture of the statue and also a picture that I drew of the Mothman on our Instagram. They don't look a lot alike. (laughs) But some common explanations for Mothman are cranes, which... That one was kind of left field for me. I think we would know if it was a large bird. With red eyes. With really skinny legs. Right, like it doesn't have big eyes. It has a beak. Um, So I'm not buying the crane story. And then other explanations were that there were pranksters. So like maybe people had dressed up and were kind of terrorizing the neighborhood. Almost like maybe a Batman costume or something like that that they'd adapted. Or that there's actually a Mothman. I like the last one. I do too. I like to think that he's out there just mopping around. I like to think of him like resisting the urge to fly into ba- uh, like football stadium lights. <laughs> yeah, or like, you know, people have porch lights on and he's like, do I want to go stand on their porch? A seven foot tall moth next to their lamp? I don't know. <laughs> they thought he was chasing them, but he's really chasing the glow sticks in their pocket. Exactly. He's like, I don't want you. I want the floodlight that you use to illuminate the front of your house. Okay, Rebecca, tell us about something else that's really creepy and might be out and about in the woods. Yes. Okay, so I actually hadn't done a whole lot of research on what these guys were. I just, We just had my weird family belief. And it turns out it's a Native American legend which is really interesting that my family believes in it so heavily because we are 0% Native American. <laughs> I don't even know that my grandmother, who first taught us all about this, has ever met a Native American. <laughs> so, Okay, so I'm going to talk about the little people, the little angry people, would be more accurate, called the Puck Wedgies. So apparently they're featured in the Harry Potter books, the new ones about um, the new people, but I don't really care about what's her name anymore, so we're just going to gloss over that. Okay, so it's a Native American legend. It's featured heavily in Algonquin lore. By the way, everyone, I actually looked up how to say this stuff this time. So if it's still wrong, we can blame Google Translate, but you can still tell me how to say it. It's not Google Translate. It's like I typed in how to pronounce this and something popped up. If that thing was wrong, we can talk about it. But so it's featured heavily in Algonquin war lore. Excuse me. Um, and basically, that's like the whole little chunk of all these tribes. And depending on which tribe you're reading in they have different descriptions of the uh like image and personality of the puckwudgies but in general they all believe that if you encountered one you should just like walk away um but the general description of it's a little man you know they're called the little people they're likened to the european gnomes so they're knee high often seen carrying arrows or spears so the Ojibwe tribes depicted them as mischievous troublemakers who rarely had malicious intent, but maybe they would like steal your stuff, knock your stuff over, or like pull your skirt and type stuff. So it's like annoying little things, but they're not going to hurt you. Far more interesting, the Wampanoag tribe have a really special legend regarding the Puckwudgies, and um, it features the uh, like their main god, Mashup, who created like the Cape Cod region and like the region that they really lived in. So in the story, Mashup is very beloved. He takes care of the people. Um, he helps our crops grow and everything. And he made that land. Well, the Pakwajis saw that and, you know, they're little groups of people. They were kind of jealous of all the attention he was getting. And they thought, well, if we take care of the people, maybe they will hold us in that same high regard. So they go and they start trying to help people, but their mischievous nature kind of gets the better of them. And they start pranking the people again, which they did not appreciate. You know, they're already going through a rough time. And so they were like, get out of here, little guys, you know. But when the people rejected the Pukwudgies, they got really aggressive and started, like, burning villages, chasing people, kidnapping people, like, taking it to, like, the next level. So some things happen, and then Mashup ends up picking them up and just throwing them across America. And some other stuff happens. Mashup takes a nap with his wife that lasts, like, five years, and the Pukwudgies sneak back everywhere. And that's why you can still supposedly find them in those areas. Bunch of other stuff happens. Um, it's a really interesting legend. If you want the full story, I totally recommend looking it up. It was very in depth. I couldn't believe these little guys that my family just like kind of casually like believe in it was a, a Native American legend and b such a cool one that featured so heavily like in their lore. Um, so what does my family believe? That they're little people that live in the wilderness. And when you buy a new home or you're like remodeling or if you're building on like what was just once flat land, you have to put out like little trinket trinkets or we call them like puckwudgie totems and it's really just like 
little painted rocks and stuff. Um, just because like you're doing it kind of without their permission, you don't want to make them mad or they'll start like pranking you. I've never seen one. My grandmother really claims to have seen one carrying a little arrow once when she uh, built a new house out in the desert. Um, she does live on the complete other side of the country from where this legend originates. And, but I mean, if Meshup threw them, perhaps they made it to California. Um, but anyway, so it's a common thing in my family when someone buys a new house to send them like a little trinket or something to put out in their yard. And if it goes missing, it's like the Pug Wedgies took it. And I don't know, I've definitely run some stuff over with a lawnmower and been like, it must have been the Pug Wedgies. So um, just a little random, interesting little tidbit about the Pug Wedgies. I think it's so interesting that it's basically like a Sour Patch Kid personality and they have such a cute little name like Puckwudgie, but then if they get angry, it's like gremlins, you know, they're cute and friendly and just kind of safely pranky and then you make them mad. Things go downhill. They're depicted as having like a porcupine or like hedgehog quills down their back too. So it's like when they get mad, they could quill you or something. So yeah, it's like Sour Patch Kid attitude, but like could get violent real quick, I guess. And again, the Native Americans all say if you see one, even if they're just having, you know, pranking you or something, you should, you're better off just not interacting entirely. Intriguing. So hypothetically, we could say that we'd seen one but chose not to interact. Exactly. That That's my official statement on the puck wedgies. On a totally unfriendly note, nothing cute about it, in Texas and in the South and in Mexico, other surrounding Latin American countries, we have El Chupacabra, which comes from the Spanish words chupar, which is to suck, and cabra, which is goat, and can be translated literally as goat sucker. It looks like a dog or a hellhound, apparently. You know, it's akin to a vampire that feeds on livestock and has big fangs and red eyes, Mothman 2.0. And generally, I'm picturing like a greyhound, but with fangs. And that's kind of what a lot of the pictures looked like online people have done illustrations of them really yeah well actually there are several pictures people had taken claiming to have seen them and they say you know oh this is a picture i took at night or this is a picture i took on my land and in all of those cases they were coyotes with mange so they did look a lot like a coyote build, but they'd lost most of their fur. So they were skin and bone because they hadn't been able to hunt because of the pain from the mange. But also it, you know, it makes them a little agitated. So they kind of have that beyond just your typical coyote behavior, a little bit more of a um, standoffish kind of creepy movement. Hmm. Um, another thing people had kind of documented as appearances that really turned out to be explainable phenomenon were um, canine hybrids, which was really interesting to me. I didn't think about that. Some kind of canine that's half wolf, half dog, or half coyote, half something else, you know? So those can kind of look like a nondescript dog in some instances. But one of the really cool things I learned doing this research that I didn't know about already was that the legend is that they are feeding on livestock because they're too weak to go out and hunt like you would in the wild or like on a wolf, which aligns with the whole thing about coyotes having mange, but also reflects kind of that idea of them being a hellhound, like that they aren't of this earth and are seeking um, extra nourishment because it's exhausting for them to be on a plane with us and with other creatures. You know, Rebecca and I drew all of these, so it's going to be a real treat going through the Instagram posts for this episode. Uh, my, my chupacabra looks like my a dog. gray Scooby-Doo <laughs> with shark teeth. Or an angry chihuahua, which is my dog. I love it, though. It's a good drawing. Um, yeah, What I thought was interesting about the chupacabra is there is like a like a trail of weird livestock deaths in the areas that they're commonly supposedly cited in and it's like okay if the chupacabra is not real or if it's coyote with mange why is all the blood missing and there's no you know like all this weird stuff right but there's not 
necessarily all this carnage. Like, they didn't eat the animal. It's more that it's, like, just their blood is gone and they've left the carcass behind, which, you know, is not typical hunting behavior. So a coyote is probably not going to just leave a, um, a, a body, if you will. Yeah. As, at least with not, like, eating it a little bit. Yeah, that, that's what I thought was so interesting about the chupacabra, was the weird trail of bodies that they can't really explain. We've got a creepy dog, but do we have a spooky cat? Yes, I have spooky cats galore today, but before I get into later an actual, like, spooky cat thing from my area, I want to talk about another weird family belief that my family kind of has and a possible origin, which is a, another cryptid that, but it's not from America, which is fine. So my family has this weird thing about cats. So they believe, despite the fact that many of my family members are allergic to cats, that having a cat, like having a pet cat is good luck. It doesn't have to be an indoor cat, but you know, like an outdoor cat. Um, and it's based on the idea that like, you know, cats are good at getting rid of vermin, you know, they'll kill snakes, they'll kill mice, and to some extent they'll attack bugs, like, you're supposed to be, like, I mean, they're terrible for the real environment, but, like, for your house, they're pretty good at pest control. But it's also the old belief that cats have the power to see and repel spirits, especially bad spirits. And so the family belief is, like, you're more protected with, like, you have a cat from things like demons. And that part might stem from the old belief, like, from ancient Egypt, where cats were the guardians of the underworld, where... I think it's Hassestat or something like that, was the guardian of the underworld. And she was depicted as a body of a woman with the head of a black cat. So there's that going on. But what I think is a little more likely, because my family is of uh, like heavy Scottish descent, it's like a legend of a black cat with like a white spot on its chest that if you're dying or moving them into a coffin, they will steal the soul of the dying person before it can cross over. And so they don't let cats near funerals. But that's bad luck, right? So that's clearly not the Scottish cat belief my family would take away. There's another Scottish cat belief. If a strange black cat shows up at your house, it's a sign of prosperity and good luck, and you're supposed to take care of the cat. So I think that maybe there, my family in Scotland maybe lived, because this belief goes back way, way back. I think that maybe they lived in an area where that belief was popular, and then it just sort of adapted over the years to be, if you have a cat, it's good luck. But there's a big rule in my family that if there are stray cats in the area or stray cats come near you, you should do your best to take care of them. And if you can tame it, it's supposed to be like super good luck. I know it sounds strange that it's 2020 and my grandma's out there feeding all the stray cats because she believes it's bringing her good luck. Maybe good karma. I mean, you're taking care of an underserved cat population because she'll catch them and spay them and neuter them and like release them and feed them and get them shots and all that. But we've gotten several pets just from like, we're feeding the cats that we did purposely get and strays like join along. So it's just an interesting little family thing that it's like a health cat. You know, if you have this cat, it's going to bring you good luck. Hopefully Rebecca's going to post some pictures of some of her cats on the Instagram for us. Yes, I definitely will. We've had a lot of cats throughout the years. I will definitely post some, uh, at least one of them and be like, this is our health cat. Tell us about some bigger cats, Rebecca. Yes. Okay. So as you can probably guess, at one point, Sydney and I lived in Texas. <laughs> Understatement of the year. Yee-yee. <laughs> um, <laughs> yee There's a little area in Paris, Texas, which I know you've probably, I used to live in that area. I don't anymore. And if you've seen Paris, Texas on movies and stuff, like I know it was in like the fourth Michael Bay Transformers movie. That is not what it looks like. Okay. Although they do have a little Eiffel Tower that I have climbed. Very proud of that. Has a little cowboy hat on top. It does. It has a little cowboy hat and it's got lights on it. There used to be there used to not be a sign that said no climbing and now there is i feel like i'm related to that in some way but if you ask the parrot you know if, if you're a paris police officer i've never lived there and i've never seen this tower <laughs> so but there's a phenomenon in that area that has been happening it's been happening in texas and in america since like the early settlers but in that area specifically it's been happening since like the um like 60s is that there's been panther sightings and I know some people call mountain lions panthers. I'm specifically talking about like Bagheera, the black panther that was in the Jungle Book, like the African black panther that does not live in, in the Americas. There have been sightings in Paris, Texas throughout all the years. The, uh, the first year I moved there, there were sightings. There's been them ever since. The most recent one was in 2018. People have gotten weird pictures on like hunting. It's a very like hunting redneck country area. 
people have like game cameras and stuff and they've gotten weird pictures that re- it really does appear to look like a black panther and people have like you know like the traditional cryptid like kind of blurry can't really tell photos of these big cats that they um claim to have seen so the area does have mountain lions or pumas or cougars whatever you prefer to call them but they um they're not dark they're the tan of cougar color and they have black bears but the people that see these big cats are very certain that it's not a bear and the pictures, it's not a bear, but I still question whether it's a cat. So sightings almost every year, but sightings in Texas have been published since the 1800s. Just across the state, they've been seeing these big black cats. More west, there's accounts like in diaries of stuff from early settlers of seeing the black cats. Um, and in Europe as well, there, which there's also not black panthers in Europe, as far as I know. There have been accounts of these cats since the Middle Ages. And so it's a cryptid in the way that it's a normal animal in an area it's not supposed to be. So they're sometimes called shadow cats. It's a phenomenon that's occurred across the country. And there are, like the chupacabra, dead livestock and tracks being left in their wake. But they've never captured one. And the people that see them are very certain it's not a mountain lion. They're like, it's a black panther. And, you know, we just talking about Tiger King recently. Carol Baskin. It's Statistically, it's possible some of these sightings are from a black panther that has escaped an enclosure from somewhere or was uh, going to be a victim of the exotic animal trade and escaped and is just living out in the wild. Statistically, it's it's very possible that that's what some of them account for. But what I found out, which was really interesting when I was researching, was that one, at one point in the Americas, we had a Black American jaguar, which lived in South America as well. However, they were believed to have been hunted to extinction, with the last one being shot in Arizona in 1965. So keep in mind, 1965, we're still hunting animals to extinction. I mean, we're still doing it now, but they like bragged about it with this big cat. However, some in Arizona and New Mexico claim that they're still there. But it's another one of those things where they've never found it. There's also a small cat called a jaguarundi. It's a really small, funny looking, like weirdo cat. It's not very big is the only reason it may not be what people are seeing. But it's native to both the Americas um, and they do live in Texas. So it's possible it's what they're seeing. However, it's like a small dog sized cat, not like a jaguar. So there has never been an actual documented case of a black panther in North America just chilling in the wild. Big Cat Rescue, Carol Baskin, uh, and other more credible Big Cat Rescue organizations like fully state this cat's a cryptid. They don't exist, um, but there's tons of reports, especially in Texas, of these cats. And for those of you that are like, it's probably a mountain lion. It could be. However, there's not a variation of a mountain lion that you can make without like genetically modifying it to make it black. And these people aren't saying it's a dark brown cat. It's a black cat. The pictures, whatever it is, it's a black animal. Very interesting. It's just something I, I grew up hearing uh, when I lived there. And every now and then, some part of Texas, I know when Sydney and I lived in Lubbock, someone mentioned a panther as well. And I'm always like, it followed me. So The Shadow Cats of America is a cool book that I almost bought for this research. Very cool. I think Texas in particular has a tendency to have people keep wild animals as pets because they'll have a lot of land. Um, So it's easy to do things like that, or at least you're out there, you know, far enough where nobody's suspicious about you keeping things in your house, you know? So I think there's definitely some merit to the argument that it might have been an exotic animal that was being kept by someone as a pet or otherwise that escaped um, in some of these cases. And then obviously a you got to take everybody's word with a grain of salt, too. So, you know, I know people that have game cameras and things like that. And, you know, if they told me they saw a panther, I don't know if I'd believe them. <laughs> right. And then the photos all, like, fuzzy. But there's a whole blog for um, Texas dedicated to these panther sightings. And I was scrolling through it. And some there's some from 2020. And there's a picture. And I'm like... I can't tell if it's altered or if that's really what they saw, um, but it's very interesting. If, you, if you're listening, Google if there have been panther sightings in your area because it's supposed to be throughout the country and throughout Europe, but with Texas and England, I believe, having the most sightings. Like Rebecca mentioned, both of us were in Lubbock, Texas at one point. If you don't know where Lubbock is, it is up in the northwestern part of Texas, up towards the upper panhandle. It is flat, it's arid, it's dusty. Think cacti and windmills and you've got it. And that's where we both live. So that's the kind of climate we're talking about, which makes these stories particularly interesting because, well, maybe not the first one, but the second one. The first major ghost stories 
in Lubbock pertain to Texas Tech University, which is a four-year university in Lubbock, Texas. It's a public school in the Big 12. What? Reckham. Red Raiders. Um, if you know Pat Mahomes, Pat Mahomes was a Red Raider. John Denver, to whom this episode is dedicated, was a Red Raider. Buddy Holly lived in Lubbock. There's some cool Red Raiders out there. Like us. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Just like us. And if you've ever been to the campus, you know that a lot of the buildings look fairly the same. They tried to keep a, a similarity in architecture from building to building, even the newer ones that they built um, they tried to match the old ones, so it's a lot of red brick and brown brick so the dust doesn't show up, and then tiled roofs and things. They all look roughly the same, but you just get a weird feeling, Rebecca, when you step into that chemistry building. I hate that building. I had a class, I had several classes in the basement, and there would always be all kinds of problems with like the technology, and it could have been the professor, but like I just, I hated being in that basement for a lot of reasons. Yes, I've... I don't think I've ever been in the basement of the Kim building, but I did have a class on the first floor, my very first semester there, and it was a nightmare. And the building is like vacuum sealed for purposes of chemistry leak, right? Preparation, which honestly sounds kind of like a survival of the fittest sort of thing where it's like everybody inside is going to die, but everybody outside is going to be okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, those doors are so hard to open, and that's the idea, because it's so windy. Yeah, on a good day, because it's so windy, the thought was that if there was a toxic gas leak or something from a reaction in a lab or, like, just the gas in the wall, the wind would carry it across the campus. So they made that building have um, negative pressure that's incredibly strong. Those doors will slam shut on you, man, so that it would be contained within the building, even as people are evacuating the majority of it would stay in the building. So yeah, if you were in the building, it's not that great, but... Yeah, if you're outside, I guess you're relatively safe, but apparently that's not the case because there's a legend of a student who jumped from the roof before semester's end at finals, and apparently people have claimed to have spotted him in the chemistry building, his ghost. And then there's also talk of a child ghost who roams the stacks in the library. Ugh. Yeah, Rebecca and I have been in that library. And let me tell you, any time of day... The creepiest place on earth. Any level of that library, you feel like you're being watched, you know? Like, it's just, there's so many rows of books. It's like The Shining. You look down the row of books and the hallway goes on forever. And it's dark because they have that automatic lighting that, you know, light comes on it's if you, dark. you're standing in that section. So if you're not standing there and it doesn't sense your motion, it doesn't come on. So, I mean, you're literally just looking down rows and rows and rows of dark shelves that are really narrow and creepy. So I wouldn't be surprised to turn around and see a ghost child, honestly. So I'm never in the stacks. If I need a book, I request it at the information desk, you know. Or I would, I guess, in the past, I requested it at the information desk and would have somebody yep. <laughs> somebody else go get it because I am not saying hello to the Texas Tech library child. But the other really interesting thing that I had never heard about before I did this research was that there's a railroad trestle in Lubbock called Hell's Gates. Rebecca, did you hear about this while we were there? I did actually. Um, we had a complex council. I was on complex council for my dorm and we had a brief talk about all the creepy things about Lubbock. And it was briefly mentioned, but it creeped my counselor lady out. So she uh, stopped. And we had to change the subject. Well, Sydney's not stopping today, folks. Let me tell you <laughs> the story of Hell's Gates in Lubbock, Texas. Apparently it's a historic railroad trestle. And it's, quote, rumored to be the portal to perdition. Love it. Th that sent me to a new level when I read that first time from Texas Hill Country. Okay. This trestle is in Dunbar Park, to which Rebecca and I have been yeah. multiple times. And it is adjacent to the Lubbock City Cemetery, which is a really big cemetery on the eastern edge of town. So that's where Buddy Holly is buried among thousands of others. It bridges the Yellow House Canyon, which is very narrow tributary of the Brazos River. I think it's like a creek. Canyon is 
an exaggeration of what it is. We're basically just talking about like a playa cliff with a creek at the bottom and it's not very tall. But there it is. It's enough that you need a railroad trestle to go over it. You couldn't build over this gap. You need a whole trestle. It's over a hundred years old and it was built as part of the Santa Fe Railroad construction. So it's inoperable now. It's just a wooden trestle, so it's not up to current standards. And there are multiple rumors that there were satanic rituals performed there in the 70s on the regular. No documentation of this that I could find in my brief search. And people have also spotted a glowing man and orbs at the cemetery and surrounding areas um, within the proximity to the trestle. And there are actually multiple accounts from different people over the last 30, 40 years of them seeing things in that area and describing really similar phenomenon of glowing orbs or a glowing figure. If you think about the... Lubbock area like I was describing it's very flat and if you don't have trees and there aren't very many trees to begin with but it's very flat and there's a lot of low brush cacti um, low bushes and things like that there's not going to be a whole lot sticking up so for some multiple people to report seeing a person and that that person is glowing there probably is some kind of figure there so whether it's a human person who is alive and well that is wearing reflective gear or something, uh, a headlamp perhaps, it's actually very strange that they would see something tall, like a person. Pretty creepy, Rebecca. Uh, Lubbock, we knew Lubbock was creepy too. We did. And I want to give a special mention to two Texas Tech, like really quick stories that I heard again from that complex council night. So underneath Texas Tech University, they have this really oh my God, the advanced, yes, yeah, secret tunnel. Um, advanced, like they're not tunnel. even secret anymore. They try to keep them secret. They're not secret. They're not secret. Everyone knew. Um, this was how I was introduced to them, um, was that so underneath tech, there was like part of the tunnels, there's a big tunnel system and part of it was part of a shelter. And the other part is, um, like the water system, the cooling system, all converging underground. So the thing is though, especially the older tunnels, because the campus is incredibly old, the older ones are not entirely up to code is what I was told. And they're very low underground. So radon, the naturally occurring dangerous gas that you can't see, smell, or hear. Yay! I don't know why you'd hear hear a gas, but yeah. um, (laughs) Builds up in those tunnels. And there's a story in the 90s of students, uh, they used to be able to go into the tunnels a little bit, like to see as part of like a tour or something. Students broke into the tunnels, um, went too far. There was radon and some other gas and they died in the tunnels. And so now they're locked up. Um, that, and then the other story was in Gordon Hall, where Sydney used to live. Um, the fourth floor is, I think it's, it's the fourth, right? Is it the fourth or the third? Uh, the fourth floor. Cause I lived on the third floor. The fourth floor is blocked off except to special staff. And supposedly there used to be rooms up there. But they closed them down after a student hung himself through this in uh, in front of this little window. And after hearing that, when I would go pick up Sydney or be like, we'd be in the parking lot and I could see that window. I was always, re- and it has bars over it. I was always really afraid to look into it because people say that they see him swinging there. And like people have called like the um, uh, RAs and stuff and been like, there's someone hanging. And there's no one because no one has access to that. And it's supposed to be like the ghost. But I was always too chicken to look because I don't want to see anything. Yes, Rebecca and I are the same in that we're like, we'll talk about this creepy stuff, but it comes down to looking at it. We're like, no thanks. No thanks. Yeah. So speaking of extra creepy things in places we knew were creepy. So like I said, I used to live, I didn't live in Paris, Texas. I lived kind of in like the area. And one of the towns that was also in that area that I used to live by was Honey Grove, Texas, which is a very nondescript small town. There's like a Dollar General and a gas station. I don't think there's any, there's no fast food. At least when I lived there, there wasn't any fast food. Um, it has a cute town square, but it's like a very small town, like maybe twelve to fourteen hundred people. Like nobody lives there. Um, but it has a high school with like a graduating class of like fifteen, I think, every year. But they have an amazing fireworks festival. So if you're in that area and you're like, I want to see good fireworks because Fourth of July is coming up. I recommend their show. They have little gas bomb things and it looks like an explosion. You can feel the heat of it and you feel like you're in the Terminator movie when the bomb drops or something. 
I thought it was small town creepy. Like I was like, the KKK is probably hiding around here somewhere. And there's like uh, water moccasins and, you know, panthers supposedly. Um, but it wasn't until last year, a friend shared an article on Facebook about what was supposed to be the only like major cryptid seen in Honey Grove. I knew that kind of closer to the area I actually lived in that was in that kind of area. Uh, someone had seen Bigfoot at one point, kind of near Bonham, Texas. In 1984, this woman, Kelly, who we spoke about in our where we got our information from, um, was just trying to have a normal night. And she ended up looking out and seeing Honey Grove's only cryptid. She's the only person who saw it, only it has never been back. But she saw a lizard man. What? A lizard man. And I have her full account of the story. I'm going to edit it a little bit because in typical like country person fashion, she gives a lot of details describing her country porch, which we don't need. But it's it, this is her word for word, like what she saw describing it. But um, so 1984, Honeygrove, Texas. It's nighttime. Just setting the scene for you. This is a small town. Weird things don't really happen in this small town that aren't related to people. Bigfoot has been seen a couple months prior near Bonham. Not even a Allegedly, factually, Bigfoot was seen several months prior. Everything I found about both of these cryptids, the Lizard Man and the Bigfoot near Bonham, was so matter of fact. Like, everything Kelly says is taken at face value. She saw a Lizard Man. End of story. And I'm just like, okay. Um, so here we go. So my name is Kelly and I'm the 55-year-old female. And in 1984, I lived in a very small town in Texas called Honey Grove. I'm skipping over the part where she talks about how small it is because I've already established that. So she had two daughters, says, and I put them to bed and went to sleep. Well, my dogs went to barking ferociously and up against my house, I heard twigs breaking. Well, my oldest daughter had a Shetland pony. So in my mind, I thought the Shetland had gotten loose and I got up out of bed and went to the front door. My front door had nine panes of glass in it and a right caddy cornered from me 25 feet was a streetlight, a very bright streetlight. What I saw walking across that street, I will never, ever forget. I saw a lizard standing on two <laughs> I didn't realize she said I saw a lizard. <laughs> I saw a lizard. <laughs> You're not going to be the size of it. <laughs> okay, I'm getting it together. She's like in the street light. I saw a lizard. It's like four inches long. It's just like it's this a poor lizard. lady. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> Not even a lizard man, just I saw a lizard. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> okay. Here we go. I have to say it again, but I have to be serious. I saw a lizard. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna hold my smile down. Okay, here we go. <laughs> I'm just picturing like just like the Geico. Just like there's a lizard standing outside. He's wearing a fedora and a trench coat. <laughs> he says you come here often, Elsa. It's like Casablanca, he's standing by the streetlight. <laughs> um his tail was so long it was still halfway in the road. He was gray. I could see scales. His arms, for a lack of a better word to call them, went between his hip and his knees, and he was just nonchalantly walking across the road, right under the streetlight, across the street from me. There were houses, but behind those houses was a sawmill. I was in shock. I had never seen or experienced anything like this before in my life. My world was black and white with no gray, and pun intended, he never looked my way. I never left the house, but it put me in a shock. I was totally in shock in that night. As a matter of fact, I didn't go to sleep the rest of the night. I just stood there looking out my front door long before, long after he had passed beyond my field of vision. I didn't tell- Why did she say long before? <laughs> why would you look before he was there? You didn't know he was there. And Sorry. Um... I didn't tell anybody about the sighting. This is my this is my first time telling it. This is taken from an article that she did for National Cryptid Society. And I was estranged from my family, and I just didn't tell no one. I mean, I didn't want to be... You see, Honey Grove was a small town, and I have two small children, and I didn't want any type of flack, I guess, coming towards me or my daughter, so I kept it to myself. 
I only saw him that one time, like I said. He was just nonchalantly walking across the street. There had been other sightings back then, not of what I saw, but of Bigfoot. And I'm trying to remember the people's name, and I've since talked to you. I've been trying to remember that name, but a lot of times the guys would go into the hollow. There was a hollow down there somewhere, and they would want to go hunting. The dogs wouldn't even follow them. They would not go down there, and there would be screams of it. The, they said the guys would say it almost sounded like a woman in pain. And I don't know of any animals that sound like that, but I've heard many rumors about people that have seen Bigfoot in the area along the same timeline. I didn't go look for the creature, this lizard. I had never seen a deer or bear come through there, but yes, I was not what a deer was. My kid's dad was a very avid hunter. He would bring home two, three, two or three a year, so it was no deer. It had no antlers. It had scales. It was just looking like a chameleon if you would have been, if that would have been blown up to seven feet and its tail was humongous. I just want to say thank you for getting this information out to the people because there are things out there that you know that don't fit into our black and white areas. So, you know, I don't know what to say. I don't know where it came from. All I know is what I saw. And He walked so he was right underneath that streetlight. There was no question about what he was. I think people should know that there are things out there that don't fall into the category of A to Z in the regular animal world. I know the hollow she's talking about. I have been out there many times with my friends. It is one of the creepiest places I've ever been. We brought my dog once and he wouldn't get out of the truck. So that part, I didn't, I didn't actually read this article in full prior to this moment. Um, she has a lot of interesting mistakes in there. That hollow is very creepy and I didn't until this moment make the connection that maybe Lizard Man lives there. Um, again, the Bigfoot sighting was a big deal. Apparently those people were ostracized because she was so afraid to come forward. That was, the, again, the only time, it was the only account I could find of Lizard Man in Texas. However, Lizard Man has been seen in South Carolina since the 80s a lot. So Lizard Man is supposed to be a bipedal reptile of unknown origin. The most famous encounter was in 1998 in South Carolina in the Scrape Ore Swamp. 17-year-old Christopher Davis got a flat tire as he was driving home. About 2 a.m., he pulled over to fix it. As he was finishing the fix, he heard a noise behind him and saw a seven-foot lizard man, so it's about the same, like, description and height of what Kelly saw, running towards him. He peed his pants, got into his car. I don't know that he peed his pants. That's just what I would have done. When he got in his car, the creature jumped on top of it and hung on with its claws as he drove. He managed to do that thing where you slam on the brakes and it flies off into the brush, but apparently when it landed in the brush, it just stared at him. And so, he drove off, but it's been, there have been many reports since the 80s of it in South Carolina. So it's a very common thing to see out there, if you can picture that. You know, I have a few initial reactions to this. Firstly, that Mothman was also seven feet tall. So Lizard Man and Mothman are the same alleged height. I've been to South Carolina many times. I would not be surprised if an alligator stood up, walked up to the car, climbed up there, latched on, stared back, gators everywhere. And then also, the the sound of screaming women, I initially thought, cats in heat. Because there's nothing scarier than cats in heat screaming in the middle of the night. And then also peacocks do sound like screaming too. But I think people who are hunting would know what cats and heat sound like. It could be totally wrong. I just feel like they would live in an area where they'd be like, oh, I've heard, you know, I've heard a cat, like a stray cat and heat. Yeah. I I never heard anything at the hollow other than coyotes, but I rec- I mean, they were clearly coyotes to me. I mean, my friends and you know, it was creepy because coyotes are, are pretty aggressive out there, but it wasn't anything weird. Something interesting that was mentioned in that same article is Honey Grove is considered one of these hotspot areas where weird things happen. And I know this isn't an alien episode, which we will definitely do later, but in 1984, there was, you know, that Bigfoot sighting, but there were a crap ton of UFO reports. The night Lizardman was seen, there were three UFO reports. People all reported the exact same craft. What if Lizardman was an alien? What are they called? Reptilians? What if he was a reptilian visiting? I, I don't know. I don't know anything about that. There are several ancient cultures have statues of little lizard people that kind of look like what everyone describes. So it could be a thing that people are seeing, could be real. I don't know. I agree that it could be an alligator in Honey Grove, probably not. There's no gators really in that part of Texas. Uh, there is up by the river, but that's still pretty far from the river. In South Carolina, it was probably a gator, and he just a little drunk driving home 2 a.m. Bar closed, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Christopher, but I too would have peed my pants. 
Rebecca, what a good story about the lizard man. Um, I hope I don't see a lizard man anytime soon. I don't know about you, but that's not on my to-do list for pandemic week 874. Never-ending pandemic. The lizard men are going to come out. Yes. <laughs> and another thing I really hope I don't see during this pandemic or in my lifetime is anything from The Exorcist. While I was in D.C., I got to go see the stairs at uh, Georgetown's campus between M Street and Prospect Street. And there's the steps from The Exorcist. They're 97 steps. They're very steep, um, fairly narrow. You could still go up and down and pass people on either side. It's not like you have to to go down, you know, one person at a time. But they're pretty narrow, pretty steep, and they lead down to a uh, waterfront. There's some creepy street lights. They aren't a historical landmark because of the exorcist, but because of the retaining wall on the other side of the stairs. There's a whole thing about historical retaining walls and bricks and things like that in the Georgetown area in general. But for whatever reason, it's taken them a long time to protect that particular stairwell. So they've done it. But um, I was not graceful enough to attempt the stairs. Very steep and slick because they're stone. I was like, you know what? I'm good. (laughs) I see them from afar. I also don't want to be haunted. So there's that. No, isn't The Exorcist... <clears throat> the movie where like so many weird things kept happening like on with the set and stuff too like people getting hurt there were a remarkable number of weird accidents and stuff on set but then also um it's been a while since i listened to it but there's a podcast called the liturgist it's really good but they do one about paranormal entities paranormal activities and they talk about Specifically the Catholic Church, but then also um, other churches performing exorcism. And they talk about when the exorcist movie came out, they had to be really specific in protecting people's information that they'd shared with Catholic priests about exorcisms. And there were priests talking about when they had performed them themselves. And there were just an alarming number of occurrences where they were reporting things like the accidents that were happening on set. So it was like everything was connected. Very creepy. All that to say, my favorite cryptid that I didn't do any research on, I just wanted to throw a shout out to, was Nessie from Loch Ness, Scotland. I had the joy of going to visit Scotland in 2017. Of course, we went to Loch Ness. Um, if you ever go, absolutely stop by. Loch Ness is like quintessential scottish town super gorgeous lots of pubs it's raining people are backpacking through people are there fishing but the locks are really cool really cool system and um i got a stuffed nessie for my brother so that'll be on our instagram as well i love nessie um sydney thank you for sharing your wonderful um nessie photo with us and also talking about the exorcist stairs i'm sure there's a lot of haunted things in um, Washington, D.C., but that was definitely, like, a more unknown thing, I feel like. And it's exciting that it's now a national uh, monument. I love when things are protected. Um, the big national parks bill everyone was hoping to pass uh, passed, so that's kind of a hot topic. It's awesome. Peace and blessings. Peace and yes, blessings. Yes, we love national parks. Not The Exorcist, though. I don't like The Exorcist. I haven't watched a scary movie in a long time. I was thinking about that today when I was doing research, how... I never want to watch another scary movie again. Mm-hmm. Like, there are some creepy things I don't find scary. Like, I read it as a kid, the book, like, not a kid, like, middle school. And so watching the movie, I was, like, the book was, in my imagination, were so much scarier than the movie that it didn't bother me. But I never want to watch another alien abduction movie again. I'm done with them. Sinister is still, like, rooting around in my mind. That movie is the worst movie I've ever seen. But I also, on a more related note, have a shout out. Um, Another city that was kind of in the area that I used to live in was Sherman, Texas. And when I was doing research about the areas, like, different cryptids, because I knew about most of these off the top of my head, Apparently, in ni- in the 1960s, there were repeated sightings of a gorilla just in the city. 
And they were very positive it wasn't a man. They're like, a man in a gorilla suit could not run that way. It was a gorilla. It was however many feet tall. It was like big, you know, thick. Gorillas are thick. And um, it was just running through the city. Eventually it just disappeared. And they were like, oh, cool. There was no investigation made to determine if this gorilla was like an escaped um, animal or, you know, from like either the exotic animal trade or a zoo or something. But yeah, but there's also what I thought was interesting was near Blue Creek, Texas and like across other like Conrad, Texas, they've also seen gorillas. So I'm like, is this the same guy like trying to get back to his habitat or... You know, what a weird thing to see. Like, it's not a cryptid. I mean, it's a cryptid because it would be an animal in an unknown area. But, like, what the heck? <laughs> it's kind of like the panther where it's like, you didn't make up this animal. Gorillas are real. <laughs> but we know it doesn't live in Texas. <laughs> unless it's in a zoo. Right? We just know it's not here. But then they're like, it's totally here. <laughs> <laughs> and for those of you who stop. haven't been to, like, small town Texas... There is like a downtown area and that's what I'm picturing in Sherman. It's just a gorilla running past the convenience store and the antique store and the like the one of the three restaurants, you know, in town where it's like you've got a little park in the middle and then all of a sudden there's a gorilla. Yeah, there's a gorilla and it was in town. Like um, the exact place that they said it was, was... Like, where the main, like, historical district of Sherman is, which is now, as Sydney said, has a pub, there's some restaurants, and there's an antique store, and there's, like, a local boot shop, which if you need any boots repaired, you gotta go to risk. It was just in the town square, just, like, running. And they said it didn't walk like a man, it ran like a gorilla. Do I know what that means? Not necessarily, but, um... Do they it was, mean, like, fist down? Yeah, like, on the knuckles. Yeah, like, 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 uh... Tarzan. Yeah, gorillas are like semi-bipedal, so they'll they'll throw those knuckles down and run. Yeah, they can stand up and run like a person, which is terrifying, by the way. Oh my gosh, they're very aggressive. Yeah, gorillas really freak me out. I'm glad they exist. I want them to exist. I want them to be protected, but I want them to be protected in their natural habitat and not a zoo. That way I never have to see one. I don't like any monkey. Like, all monkeys freak me out, and I want their natural habitat preserved so that I never have to walk into a zoo and see one. Right? Like, I, I took physical anthropology while I was at Tech and really enjoyed it. It was a fascinating class. Um, we focused a lot on primates and different types of monkeys and apes and all sorts of stuff. But we watched Kanzi, who is a bonobo, who's kind of like a chimpanzee. Um, he could do, like, he could use a speech tablet, he could mimic hand signs. He would display emotions. It was terrifying. It was so scary. So bonobos freak me out a lot. I think they're really freaky. Bonobos look the most like people, which is the most disturbing part. They do. For those of you that don't know what a bonobo looks like, it's like the rise of the planet of the apes. It's like when you think ape. Because when, when someone says ape and they say gorilla, I picture, you know, this monkey mm -hmm. and then a gorilla, like two different things. But speaking of gorillas, gorillas are massively intelligent. Coco, the gorilla, mastered sign language. Same thing. She could communicate. Her child died and she expressed grief when her keepers, um, her keeper had been pregnant and she lost the baby. Um, the gorilla noticed that her stomach was flat and like signed to her like, oh, where's your baby? And she said, I've lost it. And she expressed to her like empathy, like I understand the feeling, you know, and I think that that's amazing, but then it really freaks me out that people hunt and kill these animals because they're clearly sentient, vastly intelligent. Yeah, they're they're sentient. Like they have emotions and they can be taught to do stuff like we can and use primitive tools. Orangutans use primitive tools to get their food, and it's like, how can you justify killing something? That I mean, you shouldn't. I don't like killing animals in general, but I mean, stuff like that. And people are like they don't need to be protected. I'm like, they are so close to being people. Like, they have feelings and emotions. All animals, I know, have feelings and emotions, but those are, like, deceptively human-like. And, you know, stop cutting on the rainforest because I don't want them in my neighborhood. <laughs> I don't want them in my zoos. I want them in their natural habitat. You can go and teach them sign language, but I will not be coming with you. Yes, we love Jane Goodall. Appreciate Jane Goodall deeply. Um, we are not Jane Goodall and will not do her job. <laughs> yeah, we will not do her job. Food for thought, cryptids in your neighborhood. Hopefully it's not a gorilla. <laughs>
Yes. And speaking of complicated thought, Rebecca, we have a complicated fun question of the week. Here we go. Are you ready? No. (laughs) Oh, we're never ready. Um, If you had to have an encounter with a paranormal entity, which one would you choose? I have an answer, but it's not one that we've talked about, and I have to look up how to pronounce it, so Sydney, you can go first. If I get to pick a cryptid, I want to meet Nessie. If I had to pick a paranormal entity, which I wouldn't want to do, but if I had to... I feel like paranormal has such a negative connotation, but paranormal actually just means extra normal, outside of the norm. <laughs> I know, so, but it makes me think of, like, poltergeist. Right, exactly. I'm thinking of paranormal activity. Um, I mean, God is paranormal, right? Who? God is paranormal. <laughs> Technically. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Abe Lincoln. His ghost. The ghost, ghost of, of Abe, Abe Lincoln. Lincoln. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I'm going, I'll take I'm going it. with the ghost of Abe Lincoln. The ghost of Abe Lincoln. Okay, yeah. I support it. Ask him, ask him if he's got a <laughs> headache. <laughs> Sorry, Abe. Um, okay, if I had to pick a paranormal entity, I would want to meet. I don't want to meet any of them. This gives you such the heebie-jeebies. I know. That's why I'm, I don't want to meet Abe Lincoln's <laughs> ghost, but like, if I have to pick... If I have to pick something, I'm going to pick Abe Lincoln's ghost. So what's he going to do to me? He's just going to stand there and be tall and just be like, eh. Want to go to the movies. <laughs> I think I'd be okay meeting a ghost cat or like a ghost dog, you know, that they see. Like the black ones with the red <gasps> eyes. What's, um, Frankenweenie. Frankenweenie. Yeah, I'd be okay with that. But if I had to choose a cryptid, there's a fairy in Ireland. I'm going to butcher it. It's like Gankana. I just had it pronounced low-key with the pronunciation thing, and that's, like, as close as I'm ever going to get. But it's from my favorite fairy books. But basically, it's just a really hot guy fairy who makes you, like, fall in love with him and then breaks your heart. But I'm okay for the good time. Like I feel like you've got the winning hand there. I've got Abe Lincoln's ghost. <laughs> you got the hot Irish fairy. You got Abe Lincoln's ghost. Well, paranormal entity, ghost cat. Yeah, the hot Irish fairy, who's like a jerk, but I mean, I w- I'm capable of getting over him, so it's fine. We just need some Instagram pictures so I can be like, yeah, this is the guy I used to, <laughs> used to take. Okay, so my paranormal entity would be a demon cat. Sydney's would be Abe Lincoln's ghost. If we had to meet a cryptid, I picked the Gankana. Sydney picked Abe, um, picked Nessie. So we're, we could go on a trip together, though, because Nessie's in Scotland, right? Yeah, we're going we're going on a trip. We're going on a trip together. There we go. We can We're take going the guy. To see Gonkanog and Nessie. Boom. Who would you guys want to meet? What paranormal entity? Does that make you guys as uncomfortable as it makes us? Or are you like, I'd like to meet the ghost from the exorcist? Like, what would you like to do? Please tell us. Yeah. If that's your answer, maybe just don't tell us. All right, good people. So if you'd like to answer our fun question, tell us what paranormal entity you'd like to see, send us an email at thesoupod at gmail.com. That's T-H-E dot S-O-O-P-O-D at gmail.com. Don't forget to give us a little follow on Instagram at thesoupod. That's at T-H-E-S-O-O-P-O-D. No dots or spaces. Uh, We will find fun and interesting information related to the episodes. Make sure to answer the fun question of the week as well, which again was what paranormal entity would you like to steal your soul? Um, Yes. And you can go there. We drew wonderful pictures. Sydney's pictures of her cryptids are so good. I just drew this really scary sketch of what my grandma described the Pugwudgie Seesaw to look. Ooh, she saw. What was that? So it looked like. So enjoy that. And good people. Have a good rest of your week. Be safe out there. Things are happening. They're percolating. Um, So be safe. Be good. Do well. There's some paranormal percolating going on out there. So caution. Um, Be kind to one another. Be patient. Wear a mask. And uh, let us know what spooky things have happened in your hometown. Because we want to know. Unless it has to do with The Exorcist. 
If it's like a ghost, keep it to yourself. But if it's like a cryptid, like an animal, like we can handle that. If it's the Geico lizard walking under a street lamp, we can handle that. Okay. I don't know how many takes it took me and Sydney to make it through the sentence. I saw a lizard. I am still biting my tongue trying not to laugh. Here we go. What I saw walking across that street, I will never ever forget. I saw a lizard. <laughs> <laughs> it gets me every time. Oh, y'all, it took like nine oh, takes Kelly. to get that. Um, if you have stories like that, please send them to us. And if it has anything to do with mirrors, hauntings, the exorcist, children, children in hallways, children in hallways with weapons, children on tricycles in hallways, anything with knives, anything that's coming out of a mirror, anything on TV that's coming out of the TV, if it has hair in front of its face, if it's making any sort of weird sound, if it's in the dark, if it comes out of the bed, we don't want to know. We don't know. If it's any of those things. So really, truly, based on that list, the only thing you can send us is if you see a lizard under a street lamp. Yep. That's the only kind of story we want to hear. So if that's not your answer, then it's the wrong answer. So, you know, keep your wrong answers to yourself. Send us an email. Send us an Insta post. Do whatever. Have a good week. Goodbye. Goodbye.